Well, turn in your Bible to the book of Luke, chapter 7 today. Luke, chapter 7. Hallelujah. And let's read in verse number 1. Let's pray. Father, thank you today for your word. Lord, let every ear be anointed to hear, every heart receptive. Lord, thank you for grace deposits, truth impartations today that, Lord, changes the way we see things. And Lord, we thank you that your word renews our mind and strengthens our spirit today. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Luke 7, verse 1. Now, when he had ended all his sayings in the audience of the people, he entered into Capernaum. And a certain centurion's servant who was dear unto him was sick and ready to die. And when he had heard of Jesus, sound like the woman with the issue of blood. Remember, when she had heard of Jesus, she came in the press behind. It says, he sent unto him the elders of the Jews, beseeching him that he would come and heal his servant. And when they came to Jesus, they besought him instantly, saying, that he was worthy for whom he should do this. So it's like, Jesus, you should do this. Why? Because this man loves our nation and he's built us a synagogue. Then Jesus went with them. And when he was, not, he was now not far from the house, the centurion sent friends to him, saying unto him, Lord, trouble not thyself. For I am not worthy that you should enter under my roof. Wherefore, neither thought I myself worthy to come unto you. But say in a word, and my servant shall be healed. For I also am a man set under authority, having under me soldiers. And I say unto one, go, and he goeth. And to another, come, and he cometh. And to my servant, do this, and he doeth it. When Jesus heard these things, he marveled at him. And turned him about and said unto the people that followed him. I say unto you, I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. And you know what's amazing is when he said that statement, that's including his disciples that are standing right there as well. I haven't found so great a faith, no, not in Israel. And they that were sent, returning to the house, found the servant whole that had been sick. Uh, We also find the same passage in the book of Matthew chapter 8, and I just want to highlight a couple things the way Matthew says it. Matthew chapter 8. And look in verse 7. Jesus said unto him, I will come and heal him. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy that you should come under my roof, but speak the word only. Everyone say that. Speak the word only. And my servant shall be healed. So notice in both, uh, in Luke he says, say the word. And here he says, speak the word only. So one thing we must do is come to the place in every situation to where we want to know what does the word say. Speak the word only. It doesn't matter what opinion is. It doesn't matter what popular opinion 
How many know that popular opinion is always, usually not in God's favor? And so, we have to have that revelation. Speak the word. Um, there was a song I'd heard 30 years ago. I mean, it was scriptural, you know, not, not every song is scriptural, so, you know, I don't just quote any song. <laughs> One minister said he was preaching the word in, in a um, certain ministry, uh, the healing, healing school, like we're going to have, and um, this lady took the minister to task at, at the end of the service and said, um, you know, um, you said such and such. He said, yeah. He said, well, you know, it's like the song says. He says, the what? Like the song says. And everything he had preached um, it was different from what that song says. Well, I don't care how much you like a certain song. If it's not scriptural, then you need to leave the song and go with what the Bible says. Amen. That's why we, we endeavor to sing songs that are scriptural. And sometimes there might be one word that's not scriptural. And so it leaves a, a wrong impression, so you have to change it. Yeah. And um, we, we have that right with uncopyright, so um. <laughs> amen. But you don't want to sing something that leaves a wrong, a wrong impression. There's not the Word of God. And so we have to have the revelation that the Word of God is final authority in our life. For many, many people, though, they don't put their whole trust in what the Bible says. For whatever reason, maybe they don't understand that the Word of God is God speaking to me. But the Word is final authority. It should be the final say-so in our life. Yeah. It's like the one person that said, Bible or no Bible, I'm staying with the facts. Or I'm, I'm staying with what I believe. Well, you can't do that if what you believe is not according to Scripture. I don't care if grand, Grandma and Aunt Minnie and everyone else believed it. If it's not right, then it's not right. You want to ask, well, how did it work out for them? Well, well, Grandma believed it. Well, how did it work for her? And so, you know, a lot of people, tradition is, is stronger than anything. Religious tradition is stronger than anything. And so, say this, God's Word, God's word. is God speaking to me. And so this is so important, you know, when it comes to hearing God's voice, when it comes to getting the plan of God, when it comes to our healing, when it comes to, to our provision in life, when it comes for direction in life, is knowing what does God say about this? What does God's Word say about this? And so, I mean, this so, so thrills me to, to, to teach along these lines because it's so important in our lives. And it's this, the prevailing word. The prevailing word. <clears throat> Don't be so excited today. I know it's um, Sunday morning, but, you know, this, this is, is going to be awesome. The prevailing word. The word should prevail over everything in our life, in every situation. I want you to turn over to Acts chapter 19. Acts 19. And the reason we say this is because you have, we have people's opinion and then we have the Bible. So you have to look at it. I don't care. And here's the thing. It's hard sometimes because people can love flesh and blood. They can love 
flesh, you know. And so, you know, the Bible talks about in, in the book of um, Thessalonians, it says, if any would not work, he should not eat. How many know that's in the Bible? Don't get nervous now. But a lot of times, you know, sometimes, um, now we're talking about people that are able to and people that can, um, are able to work, you understand. But the Bible says, if anyone would not work, he should not eat. But so what happens is, sometimes people in, in a family situation, they love that flesh more than anything, when, when sometimes people can be rebellious. People can be rebellious against God. And I'm not thinking of anybody in this room or anybody I know, so I'm, I'm just preaching the word. So don't, don't try to figure out anything. But I'm just saying, what, what can happen is people can love flesh more than anything, and God would let people get hungry. God would let people hit the bottom until they, they repent, yeah. until they repent of their stubbornness and their pride. And, um, but, you know, people want to, well, I'm, I'm going to help them out. I'm going to do whatever. And actually interfere with what God wants to do. Right. And so that's why we have to put God's word first. What does the Bible say? Yeah. Look at Acts 19, verse 13. Then certain of the vagabond Jews, exorcists, took upon them to call over them which had evil spirits, the name of the Lord Jesus, saying, we adjure you by Jesus, whom Paul preaches. So what are they doing? They, they want to exercise. They had seen Paul exercise authority over the enemy and over devils. So they said, hey, we're going to do that. You know, as a believer, we're, we're commanded to do that. And we're authorized. But notice, these, these guys, they had no relationship with the Lord. They say, we adjure you by Jesus, you know, the one that Paul preached, the same Jesus that Paul preaches. And there were seven sons of one Sceva, a Jew and chief of the priests, which did so. And the evil spirit answered. Now, this is the devil talking through that person. Jesus I know, and Paul I know, but who are you? <laughs> and the man in whom the evil spirit was leaped on them and overcame them. And prevailed against them. So one man, I mean, he took them all out. Right. So they fled out of the house naked and wounded. I mean, I like what Jerry Savelle said about that. He said, he said the morale of that story is you can lose your britches for trying to operate on someone else's revelation. It has to be a revelation to you. And this was known to all the Jews and Greeks also dwelling at Ephesus, and fear fell on them all, and the name of the Lord Jesus was magnified. And many that believed, so, so what happened? People got born again. People got saved because of the preaching. I mean, that's, you know, the fear, fear came on all these people, and it led people to the Lord. And fear fell on them. Many that believed came and confessed and showed their deeds. So what does that mean? Who's ever heard of a grove burning? Whoever experienced that? You know, you, you, you get your old, I mean, I've seen that before. People get their old rock and roll albums and 
Yeah, I don't care. I mean, just let your imagination go, whatever it is. Anything. Trinkets, magazines. Uh, I've never seen anybody put, you know, uh, alcohol in there, you know. But, you know, you see people getting rid of stuff, then burning stuff. It can be something from the past. You put it in a big pile and you burn it. I saw that at a church one time. And they just put it in the back in this big thing. Well, that's called a grove burning. It means that you're, you're, this is what happened here. It said, many also which use curious arts. So, so what are you talking about? You're talking about the occult. Yeah. People that were in the occult, they brought their books together and burned them before all men. And they counted the price of them and found it 50,000 pieces of silver. Well, you know, I paid hard money for that. Well, if it's the occult, you need to get rid of it. Well, you know, I, I spent a lot of time. Well, you, you need to get rid of it. <laughs> I don't care how much you paid for it. It was wrong when you bought it, and it's still wrong now. And found it 50,000 pieces of silver. So what happened? Revival happened, and they brought all this together, and they, they burned it all before the people. And notice what happened in verse 20. So mightily grew the word of God and prevailed. So mightily grew the word of God and prevailed. So what do we see in this passage? We see victory over demons, victory over wrong spirits. And notice it wasn't all a, a whole session of six hours of binding and loosing. Now, I believe in binding and loosing. But it wasn't, you know, people getting up in a helicopter and going up so they could bind the strong men. It wasn't so that they could go up and, and pull down the, the, the strong spirit over Ephesus. It wasn't so they could pull down the Diana spirit. Why not say that? Because a lot of people would do that today. Well, we're just, we're just binding the devil so, so we could, uh, the service could be good. You know, it's like our pastor said when he was preaching, sometimes they wanted to he had all these people that wanted to be underneath the, the platform praying. He said, you're going to be under there praying. You're going to be out there receiving. Yeah, that's right. Why? Because they're, they're out there trying to, trying to pull down the strong man and, and deal with the devil, and, and they're just they're bound up themselves. Yeah. <clears throat> and that's why mightily grew the word of God and prevailed. Yeah. Now, I believe, in that, I believe that devils are real. I don't believe, you know, some people just... Believe, well, you know, that's just fairy tale, but, but devils are real. Here in Dickinson, they're real. They're in churches. <laughs> you know, people say, well, I go to the church. Well, so does the devil. He doesn't miss a Sunday. He's there to cause uh, confusion and strife every single week. And so the, the way that they got victory was the word prevailing. So, you know, this is so important in our lives because many people are trying to get victory every other way. But it always starts with renewing of the mind. And the Word comes in, and it, the Word destroys the yoke. And see, the, the Holy Spirit comes to confirm the Word with signs following. And when you preach the Word, you give Him something to work with. Many years ago, I heard a minister saying that he was praying about, Lord, you know, I want more signs and wonders in my meetings. I want more signs and wonders and things happening. He said, 
the Lord spoke to him and said, well, check up on what you've been preaching. He said, to my astonishment, I was preaching 60% word. He said, 30% unbelief. He said, 10% religious tradition. He said, it was easy to get rid of that 30% unbelief. He said, but that religious tradition was hard to get rid of. Why? Because that was... Now, this, this is just an experience. He said, so, so, so understand this. Have you ever heard someone try to explain spiritual experiences? It, it's hard to make sense in them in the natural. Why? Because what if you tried to explain to someone what a tree is and they've never seen a tree? How would you explain that to them? They've never seen one. And so, you know, just think about... Um, this experience I heard this minister, same minister said this. He was praying about it and laying everything on the altar. He said, God, you know, use me. He said, you got to get rid of everything and just lay everything on the altar. He said, so, he said in the spirit, he's praying and he sees himself. And uh, he said, it looked like an like a old rusty tin can. He said, he said, Lord, what is that? He said, that's some of your Baptist tradition. And then he said he's praying. He, he, it's like he's pulling this stuff out of his spirit, just landing on the altar. So I understand what I'm saying. He's just putting his motives. Right. Why am I doing this? Why am I going where I'm going? Why am I preaching? Uh, why am I teaching? Uh, you know, different things. He said he pulled up something like an old, old um, boot, like an old work boot. He said, what is that? He said, that's some of your Pentecostal tradition. <laughs> He said, it's got to go. And so he laid all that on the altar. How many know we have to lay things on the altar? But see, everything starts with the renewing of the mind. So mightily grows the word of God and prevails. So how can I be free? By thinking in line with the word. Well, how am I going to get all those hurts in the, in the past? How many know that we, there's things in our past? If nothing else, it's called sin. It's called life. How do we get rid of those hurts? Not by doing what some people call inner healing, where, you know, you, know, you just have to dig it up and you have to regurgitate everything and just tell it one more time. Blah, you know, just one more time. But you're not going to get healed. You're not going to get healed like that. I heard a minister talking to him. He said that one time he was at a, at a place and there was this little girl there and, um, you know, they're just fellowshipping with this family little girl was probably eight or nine years old. And, uh, and anyway, um, his first name was Keith. And so uh, the little girl came over there and just said, Brother Keith, Brother Keith, look at this. And she had this big um, bandage on her leg. She just pulled that thing and just ripped it off. And just ripped up any healing that she had. Just showed all the scars, all the, the, the depth and how big the cut was. Well, she wanted him to see that. And he said, he's like, like for, before he could even stop her, it, she had already done it. And so anyway, the mom came and bandaged it up and let it start the healing process again. And the Lord spoke to him. He said, that's how many of my people are. They, they, they never let things heal up because they always bring it up. They always regurgitate it and they always pick at it. Yeah. 
If you'll just leave it alone, it'll have time to start to heal. But, you know, the devil's clever in that area. You know, he'll call people. Even with healing, you know, if someone's experiencing something in their body, the Bible says call those things to be not as though they were. But people will have some long-lost relative that they haven't talked to in 41 years call, hey, how you doing? And, well, I've been battling this and that. And people just, why? To always keep that before them. And to always keep the problem before them. When we have to keep the word before us. So mightily grew the word of God and prevailed. So that's why for us as believers, what's more important to the believer than psychology is what we call spiritology. What does that mean? The understanding that man is a spirit, he has a soul, and he lives in a body. And understanding that as we renew our mind, we are changed. As, as we put the word of God, the washing of the water of the word, the Bible calls it. Who's ever just been, you know, you've been working really hard. And the only thing you can think of is, man, I just need a good shower, a, a good bath. Well, that's, that's what the, the word does. Who's ever been around anybody, you know, just look straight ahead. Don't, don't raise your hand. But <laughs> have you ever been around somebody, though, and you just, after a few minutes, you just feel, man, I got to go take a shower. I, I, you feel dirty. Why? Because sometimes spirits that are in their life and, and just negativity and, and things like that. And so you just have to get off and just sometimes, especially when, when you're under a lot of pressure or a lot of things coming in your life, you just have to get away and say, I got to get out here pronto. I can't hear this. Yeah. And, and sometimes, you, you know, you're not being mean. You're not being... Uh, unkind, but sometimes you just don't have time. You don't, you cannot afford to listen to that. Why? Because when you're battling, I mean, I I know even in my own case, when I was battling different things in my body, I didn't have time to listen to the other side, the what ifs, the what ifs. And I had time only to do one thing, put the word of God in my life and I'm, I'm healed. I'm the healed of the Lord. I shall not die, but live and proclaim the works of the Lord. He's quickening me. With long life, he satisfies me and shows me his salvation. So that, that's, that's what you have to put in your life. Hallelujah. Ephesians 4.23 says, And be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Romans 12.1-2 says, Be not conformed to this world, but what? Be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. Hallelujah. And like I said, this, this, is, this is number one in our lives. Because in order to be led by the Spirit and walk in God's plan, you cannot be led by feelings. How many know you can't? If you walk by feelings, who would have stayed home today? It's okay. You're in church. You can raise your hand. You can testify to the truth. I mean, that's just the way the body is, especially now that it's, it's an hour, hour later that it's darker. And you're thinking, oh, man, it's, it's like I, I was um, saying this morning. Wait till you go to work tomorrow, and the time you normally get up, the sun's already up, and it's still dark. You think, oh, I can just sleep in another few minutes. 
and then you're late for work. But see, that's the way the flesh is. And that's why the Bible says to crucify the flesh. Hallelujah. So one of the things, though, that we are constantly bombarded with is our feelings. Well, I don't feel, I don't feel, I don't feel God heard me. I don't feel like this. I don't feel like that. I don't believe that you heard from God either. I don't believe this. And, and it's just these feelings. But I want you to say this and, and say it with some gusto. I am governed by the Word. I am governed by the Word. And not by my feelings. And not by my feelings. One of the things we always have to train ourselves is this. What does the Word say? What does the Word say? And I know you, that you know this, but time and time again, when people get into error, when people get into trouble, they leave the Bible. One lady came up to Brother Hagin one time and said, you know, she had started giving her revelation. And not only had, was, was he one of the ones, but probably a half a dozen other people she had given her revelation. She had been kicked out of every other church. I mean, not because they didn't love the lady, but she was just causing a lot of harm. And, and she come in and she said, well, yeah, let me tell you my revelation. And he said, after she was talking for five minutes, I had 20 scriptures that were refuted everything she said. Sister, um, this verse and this verse. Yeah, but God spoke to me. Yeah, I was praying at the altar and God spoke to me. Well, no doubt some voice spoke to her, but... What does the Bible say? Right. Examine everything in light of the Word. Yeah. You know, I don't care if you go home today and, and you, have a, you have an angelic choir singing in 12-part harmony. Right. If it contradicts this Word, then you forget it. Yeah. Amen. But do we have that revelation? Well, it was just so showy. It was just, but I heard it. I saw it. Well, no doubt. The Bible says that Satan himself is transformed into a being of light. And, and no wonder if his, disciple, or his disciples, his um, messengers also be transformed as an angel of light. So don't just look at something, oh, it's real showy, it's real, it's real bright, it's real pretty. Well, it could be the enemy. So examine it. In line with the word. You know, people say, well, I feel like God doesn't love me. Who's ever talked talk to people? They say, well, you know, I've made so many mistakes and, and I feel like God doesn't love me. People say, well, I feel like I can be just as good as a Christian as you and stay at home. What does the Bible say? The Bible says, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together as a matter of some is. So what do we have to do? We have to let the word prevail over our life. Take, for instance, sickness and disease. What's going to be the, the, the final say? The word of God. You know, a lot of people, you know, the only thing they've heard is religious tradition. Well, you know, God... God put this on me so he could um, teach me something. What, what verse is that? Well, you know, sometimes if you suffer a little bit, you'll, you'll be better off. What verse is that? 
What's the Bible say? I shall not die, but live and proclaim the works of the Lord. The Bible says in Matthew 8, 17, himself took my infirmities and bare my sicknesses. The Bible says in 1 Peter 2, 24, he took that with his stripes, I was healed. So that's what the Bible says. What's, what's the final analysis? I'm going to say what the Bible says. You know, people want to argue, well, so-and-so didn't get healed. Well, what does that prove? That means that so-and-so didn't get healed. Well, you know, I, I prayed and I loved God and, and he didn't meet my need. What do you say to people like that? Either you or God's lying about it. And so over financial crisis. Well, you know, it's not, you know, I've been talking to John, you know, different individuals and, and you know, it's amazing how people can excuse different things. Well, you know, I just, I just believe it's for some people, but not for other people. You know, I just believe, whenever, beware, when you hear those words, I just believe. Well, I just believe that God in his own good timing will heal me. I just believe in God's own timing that he'll supply my needs. I just believe in God's own timing that, and you want to ask when. When? The Bible says now faith is. So whenever financial crisis comes, what do I what do I say? Am I going to put what someone believes, or am I going to put what the Bible says? Yeah, come on. As a pastor, yeah. well, pastor, we love you, but everything that's about to come is about to berate you. And, and, and cut you in pieces. Well, we believe you and we love you. We know that you're called here. But it's about to negate everything they just said. Why? Because they're not listening to the word. Because they're not listening to the Bible. People love flesh. They don't love the word. They don't love God like they think they do. It's quiet when you say things like that. Over direction in our life. Oh, let me let me go back to this one. When you have financial crisis, things like this. I'm blessed coming in. I'm blessed going out. I'm the head and not the tail. And see, here's the thing. I, I can even sense it when I'm saying it. People get get used to knowing these things, and they don't get excited about it. And, and what happens is people, it just is, is, it's old hat to them. It's just common. Yeah, I know that. But it's not working in your life, though. It, it's got to be real. It's got to be exciting. You know, it's got to, if it's real to you, then it's working in you. You got to get thrilled with the word. You got to get thrilled with it. I mean, Brother Copeland, after he's 83 years old, he still opens up to Mark 11 and reads it like the first time. Did you see what this says? It says, if you shall say into this mountain, be removed, be thou cast in the sea, and shall not down his heart, but shall believe those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. One time somebody asked, uh, Kenneth Hagin says, 
said, Brother Hagin, every time you open your Bible, you open up to Mark eleven twenty four. 24. Is there any other scripture? He said, well, when you get that one, we'll move on to something else. He had over 60 sermons from Mark eleven twenty four. 24. 60 for 23 and 24. I don't think he even, he, he didn't even exhaust it. He preached on it so much, people thought he wrote it, but he didn't write that verse. Jesus wrote that verse. So, you know, when, when things, just like we heard in the offering teaching, when things come against you, I'm a tither and I, I'm a giver. And I have tither's rights. And the, the, the destroyer will not destroy my life. I am blessed coming in. I'm blessed going out. I'm above only and not beneath. Hallelujah. Concerning direction in our life, the Lord is my shepherd. Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He leads me, and I follow. I think that's such a wonderful picture because, I don't know, I, I just, I'm always impressed with cows. Just how, sorry, it's just like, they just, they're not really worried about too much. Just... Just so they chew the cud, and then they lay down. And they're just right there, and they'll be laying down sometimes, just chewing, and their, their mouth moves, you know. And that's, the, that's the picture we should be. He makes us to lie down in green pastures. Why? Because we're full. Because he's feeding us. What's he do with the Bible? What's he doing right now? He's feeding us. What do people need? What's the number one need? People need to be fed. You know, you can be in church for 40 years and not be fed. You can be in church for 40 years and be starving spiritually. Unless you learn how to eat and be fed. Fed with knowledge. Fed with um, God's words. God's truth. So the Lord is my shepherd. He leads me and I follow. I hear his voice and a stranger's voice. I will not follow. Even when you... When, when your mind seems confused, Lord, I thank you for wisdom and direction in this area. I ask you to show me which way to go. I ask you for wisdom. I believe I receive it right now in Jesus' name. Amen. And, and at that point, you receive it. You take it unto yourself. Believe that you take it means, I mean, believe that you receive means that you take it. At some point, you, you grab hold of it just like you would your hand. You grab it and say, I receive it. In Jesus' name, I take it unto myself and I have it. Well, what's, what's the Lord saying? Well, I'll know what to do. I'll know exactly which way to go. And that's just walking in the wisdom of God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. So, so the word has to prevail in our life. No matter what your need is, no matter what, you, what you're looking to receive from the Lord, number one, what does the Word say? And find scriptures. Find scriptures to, that cover your need. Notice plural, not just one isolated text of, of the B part of the verse. <laughs> you know, people sometimes, they, they build doctrines on one isolated Half a verse from the Masoretic text 
from the Dead Sea Scrolls, you know, and, and they, they build that. But if they would have read three verses before, four verses after, they would have never had that. Why? Because Scripture interprets Scripture. And so don't take things out of, you know. It's kind of like I heard somebody saying this the other day. You know, when you, when, when we read the Bible, remember this is a letter. People try to break it down and over-scrutinize everything so much. Right. You know, it's like if I wrote Craig a letter, what, the first thing he did, what if he took out his dictionary and had it there? I'm not going to use $50 words, but, you know, what if you just took your dictionary? That's not usually the first thing you do. You just read the thing. You just read it. And, but, you know, people over, people try to be such scriptorians and, and just let the Bible Say what it says. Yes. Don't, try to, don't try to break it down so much and get the spirit of it. Yes. Hallelujah. So listen to this here. Thoughts will come and thoughts will persist. How many know that that's the way the enemy does? Yeah. When, when wrong thoughts try to come to you, what, what happens? They keep coming back. But if you, the Bible says casting down imaginations, and every high thing that what? It exalts itself against this Bible. So whenever the Word says this and you have something contrary, what is that? That's the enemy trying to bring something opposing this. But what do you do? You cast it down. One of the words, balo, throw. You throw it. You, th- you, you can take a thought and throw it. You throw it. You throw it down. And say, no, that's contrary to the Bible. That's, that's not right. I refuse to have it in Jesus' name. Yeah. You know, you just can't say, okay, leave. Thought, bad thoughts, go. Lord, please make, please make the devil stop. Please make the devil stop. You know, there's nowhere in the Bible, in the New Testament, where you're told to pray that God would do something about the devil. There is nowhere. There, in fact, there's four instances where the Bible gives us the authority. Amen. Jesus, you remember in Matthew 28, he says, all power is given me in heaven and earth. Go, therefore. So we have the authority. Amen. Ephesians 4.27 says, neither give place to the devil. 1 Peter 5.8 says, uh, resist the devil. Yeah, or James 4.7 says, resist the devil, he'll flee from you. And then, of course, 1 Peter. And so thoughts will come and thoughts will persist. But thoughts that are not put into action die unborn. What does that mean? If you don't act on it, that thought is going to go away. See, you can't always stop thoughts from, from coming to your mind. And don't get under guilt. You know what? That's what the enemy does. He'll, he'll put a thought in your mind and say, you know what? You're not even a Christian thinking like that. And it was his thoughts. So that's, that's what I've always, it's brought great victory in my life is to realize not every thought that comes to me is my thought. It comes from without. It comes way out here. Just even sitting in church, you can have the most bizarre thought come and you just say, I refuse to think that in Jesus' name. So you can't stop thoughts from coming, but you don't have to entertain them. You can't stop the birds from flying over your hair, over your head, but you can stop 
them from making a nest in your hair. There's lots of birds. I mean, I was listening to last night. I was listening to the geese when I was about to turn on my grill. You know, there's like 70 of them together. Well, I can stop them from taking a poo on my head. I don't care where they're flying, but they're not going to come put a nest in my hair and put, you know, sticks and twigs in there. So, in this war, fighting the good fight of, the Bible says, fight the good fight of faith. Don't fight a silent war, a silent warfare. Why? Because what happens is people, they know that those thoughts are wrong, and so then they just say, no, I'm not going to think that. I'm not going to think that. I'm not going to think that. And so, and, and then there's just this mental thing going on the whole time, and people are just like, you know, they're just like shaking like this, and just, <laughs> I'm not going to think that. I'm not going to think that. And, and no, I'm not going to think that. Well, God didn't tell you just to not think something. You're always thinking something. <clears throat> and uh, I'll just give you one last illustration. There was a there was a lady that was having tremendous, and I've given this illustration before, having tremendous problems with her mind. And she came into the healing school and, and um, Kenneth Hagin Ministries and she was, uh, you know, just had been in and out of institutional care. And so the minister's trying to help her and, and bring the word to her. And the Lord gave him Joshua 1.8. This book of the law shall not depart, depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate therein day and night. And she said, well, you can't do that. You can't think the Bible all the time. He said, without even thinking, it just came up out of my spirit. You're thinking something all the time. That's obvious by what your condition she was in. You know why? Because the Bible says, you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee, Isaiah 26. So if your mind is stayed on the Lord, if you're fretting and you're anxious, your mind is not on the Lord. So, so he said to her, and which is such a revelation, you're thinking of something already. So it's not a matter of what that you can't think on something. You're thinking on something already. But God commands you to think on his word all the time. And notice what, what Joshua said. And this is victory for every person in here. He says, you shall meditate. This book of law shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate therein. A lot of people think, well, I've got to get my mind right so I can speak right. I've got to get my mind thinking right all the time, and so then I can speak right. But God says, you put the word in your mouth first, and it's going to change what's in your mind. How do I change what's in my thought life? I change it by the words. Yeah. I change it by the words that I speak. So when that, that warfare is coming in people's mind, and, and you can see it when people are in a warfare. Yeah. And it, it's like a barrage from the enemy. Yeah. And we've all experienced that in our life. But what happens is when that warfare, don't be quiet, don't be silent, yeah. speak up, Amen. speak up. Come on. And uh, it's, like, it's like that game that, that the boys have at home, speak up. And you know, you put the things in your mouth and you, you have to talk with it. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. All right, for those that know what I'm talking about, it's like your mouth is like stretched out and you're trying to talk like that and 
Well, that's the way it should be. Your mouth should be wide open, open, speaking the word of God. Say, no, I'm not going under, I'm going over. I'm blessed. Greater is he that is within me than he that is in the world. I got more than enough. Glory to God. I don't care. And you know, someone got, someone got real upset when I did this one time, so I'm going to do it again. And, um, but um, I don't think they're here anymore. But, um, but you know, this is not desecration to the Bible. But you know, there's some, sometimes where things... When pressure's on you, you need to just, you need to do, even in the natural, you can do something. But, you know, I, I did this one time. You know, when things, sometimes you just have to say, devil, I'm standing on the word. I don't care what's coming against me. God's word will prevail in my life. Amen. Someone was so upset because I stood on the, on the Bible. Well, you know, it's kind of like. You know, people, people put it on their coffee table and, you know, I dare not write on it. But they never open it. They never crack it open. You open it up and there's cobwebs that come out. But like I said, if your Bible is falling apart, you're not. Yeah. Amen. So that's, whenever someone comes to you, whenever someone, there's a question that arises in your heart, what's the answer? What does the word say? Train yourself. What does the word say? What does the Word say? What does God say about this? Well, I just feel this. Well, what does the Bible say? Well, what does the Word say? What does the Word say? People can call you a Bible thumper or whatever they want. What does the Bible say? Amen, hey, because that's, that's our truth and that's our... You know, I'm not going to stay with my revelation if my revelation is not aligned with the Word. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Who's got victory in here today? Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Just lift your hands. Father, we thank you today for your goodness and your mercy. We thank you, Lord, for your loving kindness. Thank you, Lord, for the greater one who lives within us. Lord, thank you today that mightily grows your word and prevails. Lord, that even that, that when things, when we feel weak in ourselves, Lord, that the greater one rises up on the inside. Holy Spirit, we look to you today to comfort us, to counsel us, to strengthen us. Thank you that you're the, the teacher, that you're the great standby, that, Lord, you're standing by to help us. Lord, that we're never alone, that we're not without help. Lord, even when we can't see the way out, thank you that you prepare a way. You make a way in the wilderness. You, you, you make a path, Lord, even when we, when we don't even see the path. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, for making a way. Thank you for being the way maker today. Thank you, Lord, for, for showing us, for leading us in the path of righteousness for your name's sake. Thank you today, Lord, that we, Lord, we can lie down in green pastures. We lie down in green pastures. Lord, with no worry, no fret. Lord, even as the word that came forth today, no fear. No fear. Thank you, Lord, there's no fear here, that no fear operates in our life. We refuse to fear. We cast down fear, and we cast it out. Hallelujah, Lord. We say it boldly that we refuse to fear. 
Thank you, Lord, that you go before us today. In Jesus.